0: Now, now, it's now. Everything is Golden on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Here is your host, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Welcome to this episode of Everything is Golden. I'm your host, James Golden, Bo Snerdly. And let's talk about the moon this week to begin with. There are some other things in the news that we'll get to. But the moon, some of you who are in the right age group will remember sitting in front of your television sets when we heard the words, the Eagle has landed. And the Eagle touched down, of course, at Tranquility Base back in 1969. It was historic. It was up until that time, one of the biggest stories in human history, mankind on the moon fulfilling John F. Kennedy's pledge to send a man to the moon by the end of the decade. Of course, John Kennedy, assassinated in 1963, didn't live to see it. But the United States got behind NASA, got behind the moon effort after being embarrassed the United States was in the early days of the space program. Russia, of course, was the first country to put an astronaut in space. And some of the U.S. efforts to launch into orbit were, how shall we say, not feasible. But NASA got its act together. And despite accidents like the 1967 tragedy that took the lives of three astronauts, we were able to, under the Apollo program, send become the first nation in history to send men to another celestial being, of course, that being the moon. Well, there was a poll this week by the Pew Research Center where people were asked to rate the importance of nine separate NASA missions. Only 12% of adults think, according to the results of these polls, that returning astronauts to the surface of the moon should be a top priority for NASA. Now, contrast that with 60% of adults who say monitoring asteroids should be the NASA folks' number one priority. This might be stunning for some of you, 50% of adults said monitoring climate change should be the top priority. Half of the adults, according to the survey, believe that NASA should be responsible for monitoring climate change. Now, the results of this survey comes in as NASA is preparing to send four astronauts around to orbit around the moon for the first time since the 1970s. NASA is also facing budget cuts. By the way, uh, the Mars mission, we keep hearing about sending men to Mars. Less people think that sending men to Mars, or I should say a space crew, because it's no longer sending men into space it hasn't been for a long time, but sending a live human mission to Mars, less people believe than even the 12% that think the moon mission is important, only 11% think that sending people to Mars is important. Now, this is at the point where, for astro geeks, you usually start talking about all the marvelous things that the space program has done. And NASA has the development from sending people to the moon resulted in amazing things for not just the American society, but for the world. And I don't know whether you ever had a chance to go to the Smithsonian and actually look at what the capsule was like that many of the first astronauts took off in. It is so small, and when you look inside, it looks so antiquated now compared to what we see when we look at technology. Here is a fun fact that I heard some years ago, that there is more computing technology in your smartphone than there was in the entire, entire lunar orbiter so it is amazing to see how much has changed since the 1970s when men and and then it was just a male mission were first setting foot on the moon i wonder and i'm sure many of you science geeks might wonder what would be the benefits to humanity from the technology that would come if nasa actually follows through And we're able to send people not just to the moon again, but to asteroids, to Mars, to other heavenly bodies. I'm a big fan of NASA, not gonna hide it, and have always been. And I hope that we see more, not less, of space missions in years to come. At EverNorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must-not-take-yourself-too-seriously and... Turning the page. There was a story this week in the New York Times. Are protein bars really good for you? In the late 1980s, two distance runners who were living together in the Bay Area blended vitamins, oat bran, milk protein, and corn syrup into their kitchen, concocting, well, they didn't blend them into the kitchen. They were in the kitchen when they blended them and they concocted what would become a power bar, one of the first modern protein bars. By the mid-1990s, protein bars had taken off. Back then, one writer for the New York Times called protein bars a high-octane snack for yuppies and fitness freaks. Well, in the article, the Times says that although protein bars are everywhere, their branding has expanded far beyond exercise fanatic. They're presented as... Healthy snacks when you're on the go or even as part of a self-care routine. Grocery stores, gas stations, bodegas, gyms, pharmacies. All of them are now carrying colorfully wrapped hunks of whey protein marketed as energy-supplying health foods despite coming in flavors like cookie dough and lemon cake. The global market for protein bars has grown, expected to swell to more than 2 billion, with a B, Dollars By the end of 2026, a food historian, Hannah Cutting-Jones, who's with the University of Oregon's food studies program, says we have gone completely off the rails with protein in recent years. Another expert, Anthony DiMarino, says there's no question that our bodies need protein for building and maintaining, for repairing muscles. Protein also makes up our hair, our skin. And organs and the amino acids in proteins help our brains function. Perhaps because of that, protein stands alone in the world of wellness. So that's the skinny with protein. But are they health foods? That is the question that the New York Times asked. Protein is likely to fill you up more than simple carbs will, says a Dr. Rim in this article. That may be because protein. Helps our bodies release hormones. And those hormones help keep hunger at bay. But, and here's what we were waiting for. But, 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 many protein bars are also full of, no, they're full of sugar. A chocolate chip cliff bar, for example, contains 16 grams of added sugars, more than what's in a serving of thin mints. A Gatorade protein bar in the flavor chocolate chip contains 28 grams of added sugars. That's twice the amount in a Dunkin' Donuts chocolate frosted donut with sprinkles by and large. These protein bars, they're highly processed, high in sugar and salt. They're kind of a Franken food, says doctor Cunningham Cuttings-Jones. And Dr. Rim agrees. Protein bars are really just candy bars with a lot more protein. Go figure on that one. Up to you. I'm not saying whether you should or shouldn't. The Times is saying this, and the New York Times has concluded that these protein bars, $2 million market, are just, just, just candy bars with a little bit more protein. Well, a lot more protein. Before we turn the page completely from food, here's another story. This one from msn.com. A jury has awarded $800,000 to a Florida girl burned by a McDonald's chicken nugget. Now, when I first came across this, I'm like, oh, really? Come on. A chicken nugget falls into your lap. How much? There they were pictures. There were pictures. It, the pictures of this girl's leg... I'm telling you, you don't want to look at that picture right before you have your protein bar or anything else to eat. The decision came two months after the jury found the fast food giant and franchise operator, the McDonald's and Upchurch Foods, uh, liable for the burn, the operators Upchurch Foods of the McDonald's store. The jury awarded the eight-year-old girl, Olivia Carabello, 400000 in damages for the past four years, and another $400,000 in the future. future. They might be a little disappointed because they were looking for a payout closer to five to $10 million. Actually 15, they were looking for five now and 10 million for the future, for the burn on her leg. And it was a serious looking burn. Okay, let's flip the page on food. Everything is golden. Think about this. How many meetings do you have a week? A lot, right? If you're in business, if you're working. Another story from msn.com. Why you need one no meetings day a week. That's according to new science. Story begins this way. There will always be those surprise meetings added to your work calendar and those regular meetings you simply have no control over. But you probably schedule some of them too. And when you do... You should always try to do so on days you already have meetings, even though it might seem to make sense to space them out. You need to leave yourself. This is where this article is leading to, my friends. You need to leave yourself at least one day a week, one day a week where you have no meetings. One day a week with no meetings will actually make you more productive. Research has proven scientifically what we've already felt to be true, that getting pulled into too many meetings sucks for the most part. That's what the article says, not me. Yes, a meeting can be helpful when it comes to boosting creative thinking, fostering teamwork, but when someone is late, when they take employees away from actual work time, Or when they've mismanaged or downright unnecessary, when these meetings are downright unnecessary, they can also be a major waste. A new study, another study, a study published by the Association for Psychological Science shows that meetings can serve to derail individual and organizational effectiveness and well being as well. Yes, well being as well. By demanding too much of an employee's time, sometimes for little or no benefits. You know, that's one of the things. That I used to love working with the Rush Limbaugh Show. Rush had an amazing crew. There was some of the best professionals in almost every aspect of the lines of work that they were brought in to benefit the company. But we very, very rarely, in fact, you could count them on one or two hands, we very rarely, one hand, had an all-hands-on-deck meeting. And we didn't have The morning, quote unquote, budget meetings that many media programs, especially of that caliber, have where you sit down and you talk about what everything is going to be that day and who's going to do what. And you also then have the meetings that are all about how you're unhappy with this, how you're unhappy with that. We didn't have that stuff. And as a result, people were left alone to do their work. I'm not saying there weren't meetings. Of course, people take meetings. But it didn't come from the top down. And that was one of the most enjoyable things of working there. You were left to do your work as you saw fit without the need to have a bunch of meetings. I am not opposed to meetings. Meetings are a good thing when they're valuable, when you learn something, when you're trying to get information, when you're trying to integrate how to work together on projects and for a varied host of other reasons. But this article makes profound sense to me. The idea that we should leave ourselves one day a week, one day during the work week, where we schedule no meetings, where we can just do our work in peace. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Now, last story, everything is golden. This one concerns hurricanes. For some of the United States, we're in the hurricanes season right now. Scientists have made a shocking new discovery, a new discovery about the impact of hurricanes thousands of miles from where they strike. Again, more research. A group of researchers has studied water movement in the Philippine Sea, and what they found is that tropical storms warm the ocean by pushing warm water below the surface and bringing cooler water to the top, where that cooler water then gets warmed up. The researchers also found that the warmer water remained for at least three weeks after the storm subsided and that some of the heater water made it as far as the Ecuadorian and Californian coasts thousands of miles away. That's according to PHYS, as in physics, THYS.org. And then they go on to say why the discovery is so concerning. Well, you don't even need me to tell you that. Warmer oceans, warmer temperatures, warmer energy. But here's the thing that I got away from this. Here's my takeaway. The human Earth model, the model of human beings living on planet Earth and what affects us and what affects the nature of climate is so complex and we are so arrogant as a race a human race to think that we can understand all of the intricacies of what in what was into making this planet habitable. Once upon a time in our planet's history, remember it was an ice ball. There were other parts of times when volcanoes raged, when the sky was so covered that sunlight couldn't even get through. The climate on Earth has always been changing. Climate change is nothing new. Climate change was created. When the earth was created and the climate has been changing ever since. And this climate is so intricate. So many things go into it that as many studies as can be made over the years, we will never ever get to the complete understanding as human beings of what went into creating this earth and what went into creating us, the human beings that inhabit this earth. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for being with me for another episode of Everything is Golden. And I hope your day and your week are golden too. James Golden, Bo Snurley, Red Apple Media, thanks for tuning in. And we'll check out you the next time you check out us on the next episode of Everything is Golden.